أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائم على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well inshallah and welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast so we ended here essentially where we talked about the two angels that are in charge of writing the deeds of each and every human being. And we explained that multiple verses of the Quran make reference to these two angels. And that and according to some verses of the Quran, these two angels are referred to as Raqib and Atid. Raqib literally meaning a person who is doing muraqaba, a person who is there who is recording everything, who is watching everything. And Atid literally referring to a person who is present. And we said, of course, both of these two ideas refer to the idea that these angels would be watching what someone is doing. The verses of the Quran said that these two angels are writing what the human being is doing. And they also know what the human being is doing, which is clear. But essentially when it says, when it says that these guys are writing, this is just more emphasis on the idea that they are not just witnessing what the human being is doing, they are actually recording it, right? And this is just an extra step of emphasis because it's one thing for someone to witness something. It is a different step or a further step for that person to actually record and write down what he is witnessing. In other words, whatever it is that the human being does, it is not just witnessed by these angels. It is also recorded. Okay. We also mentioned that these two angels that each and every human being has, these two angels are not the only witnesses. They're not the only ones who are watching what's taking place. They're not the only ones who are watching what the human being is doing. We said, you know, first and foremost, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there. Second of all, the prophets and their successors and their awsiyah and of course the Ahlul Bayt, they are aware of what each and every human being does. Third, and beyond that, it is the limbs and the organs and the body of the human being, as well as including the skin of the human being that will bear witness to the deeds that he had committed in this world. And then beyond that, the earth or the land on which the human being committed that deed. And finally, the time of the day in which the individual committed the deed will also bear witness to him or uh, forgive me for him or against him depending on what type of deed that he had committed okay and finally we also mentioned that the two angels that each and every one of us has is different from the two angels that will show up in the grave those two angels are nakir and munkar they are the same for every human being whereas our two angels are referred to according to some scholars as raqib and atid and these two angels they are specific to each and every human being right so it's not the same angels the same two angels for uh, all of mankind as is the case with nakir and munkar okay this is essentially where we ended we wanted to talk a little bit more about how these angels go about doing their job what is it that they do what are some of the details that ahadith share with us in terms of how they actually record the deeds of the human being. The first thing we need to mention, the first question that comes to mind is this, and maybe we've had this question even before us getting to this topic because it is a question that comes to mind. 
And that is if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching what the human being is doing, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there and he is witnessing what the human being is doing, then what is the point in having these two angels record the deeds of the human being, right? That's a very valid question. Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created these angels if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already there and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already watching the human being? What's the whole point and what's the whole purpose? It seems a bit in vain that you would create these extra angels, right? And at least this is what the question is. That you would create these extra angels to simply watch over the human being when you yourself are witnessing every little thing that the human being is doing. Now it's interesting because in some of the lines that we find, and these are quoted um, from uh, Ja'far ibn Muhammad, Imam Sadiq sallallahu alayhi from the book of Al-Ihtijaj of At-Tabarsi or Tabrasi, a famous uh, Shia scholar. He is narrating from uh, the sixth Imam, of course, through his chain of narrators. And he's saying how the Imam responded to this question of why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created these angels to begin with. And then he says this, he says, He took them and he made them in charge of this. And he made them witnesses upon the creation. And then this line is actually the explanation of why he did all of this. And the, from this hadith, you will really understand a very, very beautiful point about how the mind, how the psyche of the human being works. This will really help us understand how you know people go about things okay he says this he says the fact that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put these angels there for each and every human being even though he knows what the human being is doing without these angels is because these angels being there will push the human being to be more serious to take it more seriously when he wants to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَعَنْ مَعْصِيَتِهِ أَشَدُّ إِنْقِبَاضًا And that he will try more to refrain from committing the deeds, the bad deeds, because of these two angels. What does that mean? That means even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is out there, the psyche, the mind, the intellect of the human being is... It's in such a way where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, in my words, has to put something tangible there, right? He has to actually put these two angels there where the human being, because we are weak, because our faith is weak, because our intellect is weak, we can then sit there and say, oh, there are two angels that are recording what I'm doing. Therefore, I shouldn't do these bad deeds. Now, if I knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching me, would I do them? Still, I might start try to refrain from them, but because I know I have two individuals or two angels that are particularly there, specifically there for this purpose, then that pushes me even more. Okay, now should it be like that? I, you know, one would argue that you know our mind and our intellect should not work like that because logically it doesn't make a difference if God knows or there are angels writing and then God knows. Shouldn't make any difference. But the hadith is saying exactly that. That for the human being, for the mind of the people, it does make a difference. Because they feel like if there are angels, this is very tangible. And then he continues. And he says, listen, there are so many times 
where a servant of Allah wants to commit a wrong deed, he wants to commit an evil deed, but then he remembers that those two angels are there and that those two angels are so close to him. And because of that, he stops. Okay. فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي يَرَانِي وَحَفَظَتِي بِذَلِكَ تَشْهُدْ Okay. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees me and the two angels, they, were, they will bear witness against me if I end up committing this deed. Okay. It's very beautiful. In other words, the hadith is saying that the human being, of course, because we are ignorant, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to take something quote-unquote tangible, and I put it, you know, in quotes because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is tangible. You know, it's like he's a real thing. <laughs> so, as you know, but from our perspective, we have to have something there that's tangible for us to stop from committing the wrong deeds. And then he continues. He says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِرَأْفَتِهِ وَلُطْفِهِ وَكَّلَهُمْ بِعِبَادِهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His mercy, He has put them in charge of the human being, not just there to write and record the good deeds or the bad deeds of the human being. يَذُبُّونَ عَنْهُمْ مَرَدَةَ الشَّيَاطِينَ When the shaitans want to approach the human being, the angels are also there. One of their functions and one of their jobs is that they are there to protect the human being. Right? To not allow the human being to be affected too much by the waswas, by the whispering of the shayateen. Now, of course, just because angels are there doesn't mean it's going to stop anyone from committing wrong deeds. But, you know, this dichotomy, this contradiction, this dilemma that the human being feels at times, and we've all experienced this. That dilemma that you feel when, you know, there is an intention to commit a wrong deed, but at the same time, you feel a push inside of yourself that you don't want to commit this wrong deed. This push might be coming from these angels. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, or the hadith says, that we have placed these angels there to protect the human being from the shayateen, how does this protection happen? Sometimes it's just through the inspiration, the inspiring of the human being to stay away from a bad deed or to commit a good deed. So that's probably what is meant here. And then he continues, he says, And a bunch of things that are supposed to happen to the human being, but these angels are there to protect the human being from what is going to happen to them. So it's clear that these angels have more than just one function, but the main reason why they were you know, created essentially and assigned to each and every human being, it seems as though that the main reason was for them to just understand and feel like there are those who are watching them and to stay away and refrain from bad deeds. Now, beyond that, when we look at other ahadith, uh, they also unveil for us a little bit how these angels actually go about uh, the recording of the deeds of the human being. And along these lines, I want to share a hadith with you. And this one is from... Uh, Musa ibn Ja'far, the seventh Imam, Imam Musa al-Kadim, He says that someone came and asked him and said, these two angels who are in charge of recording the good and bad deeds of the human being, how do they know about the intentions of the human being? Right Now we get it, that if these two angels are there and they see the human being doing something, well, yes, obviously, because they're seeing it, they will record it, right? They'll write it down. But his question was in particular 
about the intentions of the human being. When the intention, when the human being makes a good intention, although he has not acted upon that deed yet, how does the angel figure this out? And this is important because we know, by the way, that when the human being makes a good intention, that that is written down as a good deed for him. Whether he follows through with it or not, of course, when he doesn't have the ability to follow through with it, that's what we mean, or before he's had the chance to follow with, through with it, that that is written down as a good deed for him. Right now, of course, if he has a good intention and the opportunity presents itself and he still doesn't do it, then that means it wasn't really a good intention, right? It doesn't mean, it means it wasn't really a genuine uh, intention. But, you know, if he makes an intention and he doesn't have the capability to carry out that deed, we know that the human being will be essentially rewarded for the deed that he uh, had made the intention to do. So the, the imam is being asked about this. And the imam responds with a very beautiful response. He asks him a question. He says, tell me, do you know the difference and do you feel and sense the difference between passing by a place that smells horrible because the waste is there, right? Like, let's imagine a place where waste has gathered, you know, the type of smell that it creates. You know, does that is that different from the time that you pass by a place where f perfume was there? Do you sense the difference between these two? He said, well, of course, you know, the difference is very striking and it's very obvious, you know, it's a stark difference between the two. The Imam said, the same way you feel the difference between these two and it's so obvious to you, he said, this is how obvious it is to the two angels when the human being makes an intention to do a good deed or he makes an intention to commit a bad deed. Okay. And then the hadith continues that the human being, when he makes the intention to commit a wrong deed, that the breath, the smell of his breath turns into this terrible smell. And just by breathing, the two angels know automatically. Both of them realize this, right? Because both of them, uh, you know, one of them writes down good deeds, the other one writes down bad deeds, but both of them realize what the human being is up to. The hadith says the moment he breathes and there's a change in the smell of the breath of the human being, that automatically these two angels know in my words, that something is up, meaning that the, this individual has made an intention to commit something wrong, right? And then the hadith continues that the angel on the right side, he turns to the angel on the left side, right? And he says, listen, he has not committed this deed yet. Because he hasn't committed this deed yet, you don't have the right to write down this deed of his yet. Then when the human being actually does actually commit that deed and of course sometimes he may not but when he does then the angel on the left side he will write the deed down right so it's very interesting and of course that individual got the response to his answer uh, the the response to his question that this is how the angels they actually figure out how the human being uh it makes an intention of even committing a good or a bad deed and by extension you can just imagine that when the human being actually commits the deed then obviously uh, they would know about that again in our hadith we have that the angel on the right side he has some advantages compared to the angel on the left side right hadith says and this one is from the prophet that the angel on the right side when there is something good that happens 
naturally. And of course, by the way, this may not apply to every single human being. There are some conditions. What we understand from other hadith is that there are some conditions to this equation that you do one deed and it counts as 10 good deeds. Right. And one of those conditions is that overall you are an individual who is fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Overall, you are an individual that tries to stay away from sinning. It seems as though that is a condition. This doesn't necessarily apply to an individual who has no fear of Allah in his heart. He is willing to do any haram deed and then he is willing to do a one good deed to make up for all ten. Which, by the way, I'm sure is a thought that has crossed all of our minds, right? That, well, if you know every good deed equals ten, then I'll just do one. And that gives me a ticket to commit at least nine good, nine bad deeds, right? If you think about it. But it's interesting. We have in our hadith a situation where someone was doing this, where he was playing this game of math uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the sixth imam, he approached him and told him that this way of going about things is very, very wrong. The hadith says that this individual, he was walking through the bazaar. The sixth imam says, I was watching him. And he would steal. He stole from someone who was selling pomegranates. He stole from an individual who was selling bread as well. And then I watched him walk through the continuation of this bazaar. And he gave the first one to an orphan, the pomegranates to an orphan. And he gave the loaves of bread to uh, a, a miskin, a person who was, you know, hopeless, homeless, you know, a person who was poor, essentially. Right. And then he says, I confronted him and I said, I, I've been watching you and you've been doing these weird things. What's going on? He said, listen, you're Jafar ibn Muhammad. You don't know what the Quran says. You know, every good deed, it counts as 10. And because every good deed counts as 10, then that naturally means that when I stole the two pomegranates and I stole the two loaves of bread and then I gave all four of them as charity, essentially I've made profit. Right. Because he was playing this game of math with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Imam told him, he said, no, that 10 that the verses of the Quran talk about and the 10 that the Ahadith talk about, that refers to someone who is trying to be fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that yes, overall, he is the type of person who, although sometimes he commits a sin, he is the type of person who's trying to stay away from sin. Yes, this person for him, because he is an individual who is considered muttaqi, he's an individual who has fear in his heart of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then yes, every you know good deed of his will count as 10 if he doesn't ruin it with other bad deeds. But the person who doesn't care at all, he can't just do one good deed and then he has room for nine bad deeds at the very, very least, right? If not 10 bad deeds. So that is a condition that we understand about this equation of 1 equals 10. Nonetheless, the Imam does say, or the Prophet in this hadith, he says that the angel on the right, he writes 10 hasanat when the person does a good deed. But then the angel on the left, when he wants to write, he has to write only one. And alongside that, and furthermore than that, the hadith says that when the angel on the left wants to write, the angel on the right will tell him, hold up, don't write anything yet. Why? Because this individual maybe, maybe within the close uh, period of him committing the sin, maybe he will repent from it. And number one and number two, maybe he will commit some good deeds that will get rid of this bad deed of his. So don't write it yet. OK, this all of this now, of course, are these actual conversations that take place 
between these two angels? It would be difficult to say, so we don't know. But what these hadith are telling us is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to judge the human being and how much he is giving an advantage to the side of mercy, to the side of forgiveness. There are a couple of more ahadith that have to do with essentially what these angels say, what they do, how they go about things. Inshallah, those ahadith we will uh, cover uh, in uh, the next episode. And then we'll move on to the other witnesses because the next lines of the dua says, you, might, you made these angels witnesses upon me alongside some other witnesses. Well, who are those other witnesses? And, and then beyond that, the, again, if you continue with the dua, he says that sometimes these angels, there are deeds that I commit that are hidden from them. Wait a second. I thought everything we do are seen and known by these angels. So what is this? You know, some of my deeds are hidden from them. I thought that was the whole point of having these angels. So why is it that if we have these angels and these angels are supposed to be there to record the deeds of the human being, then why is it that Dua Kumail is saying, you were watching when it came to those things that were hidden from them. I thought nothing was supposed to be hidden from them. So then we'll talk about that as well. Is it possible that the human being will do something and the angels will never know about it or will not know about it? We'll have to talk about that. Inshallah, those we will discuss in the following episodes. Until then, keep us in your du'as. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.